Thank you for joining the online ministry of Little River Church. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Let's get into the book of Isaiah. If you're able to stand, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Chapter 60, verses 1 through 2. I will do a little preaching and teaching together today. uh, Because I feel like what God has has given me is for this week especially. And I want to help us today. I want to help us understand what's getting ready to happen. What's getting ready to happen in our lives and in the church. And also, I want to I call out a while and a method of the enemy that he's trying to put on the church to hold us back. So I want to deal with all that today. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 2. Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. We understand that. We really shouldn't be confused with what's going on in our world today because it's going to continue to get darker and darker and darker the closer we get to the end. And it says it here, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Watch this though. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. So the darker it's going to get out there, the brighter it's going to get in the kingdom of God. And please hear me today. We can't let what's happening around us control the act of faith that God put within us. And when we stop stretching and we just retract and recluse what the enemies want, that's what he wants to do. He wants to put us in a place to where we're we're withdrawing ourselves from what God wants to do. God doesn't want us withdrawing. God wants us expanding. So I'm going to preach to you. You're not going to have a clue what this title is about the middle of my message. I want to talk to you for a little while on this topic. Double bind. Double bind. Lay your Bibles down. If you have them out, if you're looking at the screens, close your eyes. Let's lift our hands. I need somebody to get in tune with what the Holy Spirit wants to say today. God, help us. I need your word today. God, help me to preach to these great people your promises, your word. God, help me to tell them, God, what you want to tell them today. Take me out of the way and let the Spirit go forth. God, let me walk. Let me speak by the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone shout amen. Amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. You may be seated this morning. Homer Dodge was a world-renowned physicist. He was also an explorer and an expert canoeist who retraced the fur trapper's route up the St. Lawrence River. One of the few who had ever done so. In an interview, Dodge was once asked, How is it that you've seen such incredible things in your life? He replied with some profound insight and wisdom. He said, if you want to see miracles, you must live in a miracle country. In other words, we must live with expectation every day of our lives. Always reaching, pressing, and discovering new ways to activate our faith. It was Albert Einstein that said there are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as if everything is a miracle. And if we live as if everything is a miracle, we then discover there are miracles all around us happening every day, all the time. And if we'll live looking for miracles instead of looking for demons, or looking for the government to shut down, Are looking at all the issues. If we'll start looking for miracles. Then the possibilities of what God can do and will do will be endless. 
I want to live with a miracle mindset. The author of Hebrews tells us about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and several others who had this miracle mindset. By faith, Abraham listened to God and went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. It was by faith that Noah built an ark that saved his family. And Hebrews 11 just continues by faith and by faith and by faith and by faith. And then the writer goes on to say, what more shall I say? For time would fail me uh, to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness and became mighty in war. They lived every season by faith, expecting God to show up in the middle of their dilemmas. The author proves that when we continue to reach by faith, our circumstances do not have the final word in our life. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a political upheaval, in the midst of uncertainty around the corner, I expect God to show up. Because while all this is changing out there, the God we serve has never changed. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what I expect? I expect the greatest outpouring that we've ever seen in this community. I expect to baptize people left and right in Jesus' name. I expect people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I expect people to be healed and delivered in the middle of a pandemic. I'm not shutting down my faith just because of what's going on around me. That's why we're building my river because I believe that the truth is God doesn't want us to just survive. God wants us to thrive. And there's too many people that are settling for just survival when God wants us to break out in revival. He has called us to flourish and for his kingdom to expand. And it's time. It's time. You hear me today. It's time to let faith arise. And let fear be expelled. I'm seeing too many Christians that are fearful. What's going to happen? What's going to happen Tuesday? What is God going to do? How is this going to turn out? What is our nation going to look like? I don't have any of those answers. But I can tell you what God's going to look like in the middle of it. I can tell you what the church is going to look like. I can tell you that we're not going to turn around and go backwards. We're going to keep reaching for the things of God. Listen, we must be like Abraham and act before we know. We don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to act right now in the middle of it. We've got to be like Joshua and Caleb, and we've got to fight the fright and say that mountain and that land belongs to me. We've got to be like Noah in building the ark and say I'm going to perform before the storm. I don't know what's going to happen in the election, but I'm going to continue to pray fast. I expect God to show up. What are we looking for today? In Matthew 14, the disciples find themselves in a boat amid a storm. They fight for the boat's control as the waves and the wind tosses the boat back and forth. But to no avail. And out of nowhere, Jesus shows up walking on water. The peace speaker is now in the middle of their dilemma. But the disciples do not recognize him. They think what they see is a ghost and they cry out for fear. Why are they afraid? Because they aren't expecting Jesus. But it's obvious they're expecting an evil spirit. The truth is the disciples were waiting for the devil to show up. 
And what good are we as the church if we only expect the enemy to show up and wreak havoc during the season? But we don't expect Almighty God to show up in the middle of the dilemma. I can tell you what the problem is with many is we're so focused on the devil and what he's doing that we're missing out on what God wants to do in the middle of all of it. Well, I got all two of you right there. We're so focused on the pandemic that we're missing the things that God wants to do in the middle of the pandemic. You got to ask yourself a question today. And it's a serious question because it's going to stretch you and you got to be honest. I want you to ask yourself a question. Are you expecting only bad things to happen? Or do you expect Jesus to show up in the middle of the storm? Well, pastor, after Tuesday, count me in. Tuesday, pastor, I'm in. No, you're not. Because there's no such thing as tomorrow faith. The Bible says there's only now faith. And the power in now faith is that you expect God to work in your life now and not someday. And the prophet Isaiah said, behold, I will do a new thing now. It shall spring forth. Not tomorrow, not next year. In the middle now. He said, I'll make, I'll make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Notice he says, now it shall spring forth. Sometimes we have to put our foot down and say, it's not going to happen tomorrow or next year. It's going to happen right now. It's going to happen right now. Because I'm telling you, I'm seeing too many defensive people. Too many people on edge. Too many people walking around looking for a fight. Aggressive, easily offended disconnected and wanting wanting to fight against everything listen christians are buying more ammunition than there are bibles right now well gotta go buy all the ammunition what you gonna do when there's no bibles left what you need to do is go to walmart get you some ammunition but get you some bibles too because you worried about them taking the ammunition tell you there's coming a time they're gonna take our bibles and the greatest thing the church needs right now is we need bibles not ammunition So you want some advice what to do right now? Go to Walmart, go to the bookstore, buy as many Bibles as you can get and put them in your home. Because there's going to come a time where they're going to try to lock up the doors and take the word out. Not today, because in the middle of the pandemic, we're preparing for what God is going to do one day. I'm not just going to sit on my hands. I'm going to ask God to pour out his spirit. Listen, I'm telling you. I got, I got to get into all this stuff, but preaching to people is becoming more complicated and more complicated and more complicated because this quarantine has pushed people into a bedroom or a living room to where they can eat popcorn and watch service on the screen and drink them a cup of coffee and kick their feet up and they don't have to respond to the word. They can receive the word, but they don't have to act on the word. Can I tell you, the enemy ain't scared of a Christian in their pajamas watching a screen and eating popcorn. The enemy doesn't fear somebody that's locked up in their home and saying, I got the word. No. What are we going to do with the word? We've got to get out. It's time to break out of that mentality. That's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to lock up our faith. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to lock up our faith. King Saul was known for what he was against. 1 Samuel 14, he fought against all the... His enemies on every side against Moab and against the people of Ammon and against Edom and against the kings of Zobah and the Philistines. It sometimes seems that we can, we can get so reactionary oriented, so accustomed to fighting that we only anticipate adversity. We attract the problems that we fear 
is going to come upon us. But the Saul spirit cannot please God, nor can it live in miracle country. Only a David spirit that is head over heels in love with God can march into the fulfillment of the kingdom. David did fight, but he also brought the presence of God back to the people. David did gather all the material for Solomon to build the temple. You know what? David anticipated and built and prepared for revival. He didn't just prepare to defend. He prepared to advance. And we've got too many people preparing to defend, but we're not preparing to advance. We can't be known for what we are against. We must be known for what we are for. And some use holiness as just rebellion from the world and not as conformity to Christ. And what we have is unintentional blindness. We don't mean to be blind to the things of God. But we are. You know what unintentional blindness is? It's the failure to notice something in your field of vision because you are focused on something else. The first century Pharisees were so focused on the Sabbath law that they couldn't see the miracles happening right in front of their eyes. Jesus healed someone who hadn't walked in 38 years. And he gave sight to a man that was born blind. But all the Pharisees could see was their religious assumptions and not the miraculous that was happening in the midst of them. And here we are trying to defend on the behalf of religion. When God is saying, I don't want you to defend. I want you to advance and look for the supernatural in the midst. I want to heal and deliver. I don't want you to just barely make it through. I want you thriving through all of this. That's why Paul said, Paul said, don't walk after the flesh. He didn't stop there. He said, walk after the spirit. It's not good enough to pull back. You got to step into something. It's not good enough to stop an addiction. You got to replace it with prayer and fasting. Listen, making a decision against something is only half of the battle. The other half is making a decision for something. Pull back. But now I've got to step into, you know why? Here it is. In psychology, it's called a double bind. If you're focused on what you shouldn't do, you probably won't do what you should do. So guess what? You're still really bound. It's holiness by subtraction, but it never really adds up to righteousness. Because goodness is not the absence of badness. Righteousness isn't just being right. It's doing something right. It's not just breaking even. It's going all in and all out for Christ. Too many Christ followers are playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Playing prevent defense. Not wanting to give up a touchdown. But we're not scoring any points on the scoreboard in the game. Can I tell you today that that's not the church Christ came to build. He called to build a church that advances the kingdom. We don't hold the fort. We move it forward. It's the difference between why and why not. It's the difference between if only and what if. And the enemy wants us comfortable. That's what this quarantine has done. It has pushed so many people to comfort. I'm telling you, think about it. Think about during the quarantine how many Christians wanted to fight because they couldn't come to church. And then think after the quarantine how many Christians just want to stay at home because they got comfortable with not coming to church. Because we love the idea of fighting against, but we don't think of the idea for fighting for. 
So we, found, we find ourselves bound in our religious vain philosophies that don't produce results in our life. And instead, they pull us back from the world instead of covering us and sending us into the world. Can I tell you, I can walk in the middle of the world and know who I am. And Christ didn't call me. Called me to just sit in a bedroom and watch TV on a screen or watch a church service on a screen. Christ called me to go be salt to this earth and to be light in the middle of a dark world. And we need some Christians to rise up and say, God has called me for this moment. Not to bow down or back up, but to step out. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail. If you study double bind, you'll find that people, people. That, that have the double bind in their life. They, the enemy uses this double bind to display power and gain control over their lives. And victims often feel confusion and rage and despair at their entrapment and apparent lack of options. They don't feel like there is any options. Let's just, let's just hunker down. Let's, let's put a storm cellar in and go to the bottom and make sure we got all the supplies we need. And that's good. I'm not against that. But at the same time, people are going to die lost if the church shuts the doors and just gets behind the screen and says, is this what church is we're called to go in the middle of it and say there is a better way Jesus said I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it gates are defensive measures so by definition we're called to play offense and we need a vision that is bigger than the temptations we face we need a yes that is bigger bigger and better than your no Jesus didn't die to keep us safe he died to make us dangerous and faithfulness is not holding the fort it's storming the gates of hell so today I stand before you on the Sunday before election I stand before you in the middle of a pandemic I stand before you to tell you, hey, we did it all. We, we tried to bear fruit in every season. We, 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 we did service online and we're still doing it online. We try to do everything to protect life because I want to bear fruit of the Spirit. But I refuse to allow the adversary to think that I'm truly acting out my Christian values if I just shut down and retract during the season because I'm just as bound as somebody that may be bound by addiction or anything else. It's a double bind. I'm not really stepping into what God has called me to do. So today I stand before you and tell you I refuse to bite the bait. I'm not anticipating apostasy. I'm anticipating apostolic revival. You hear me today? I'm not anticipating a lukewarm Laodicea. I'm setting my sights on a revivalistic Philadelphia. Hear me. I'm not dreading Monday or Tuesday. I'm thanking the Father for what he's getting ready to do tomorrow. Listen, I'm not waving the white flag of surrender today. I'm holding up the bloodstained banner that says we got victory in Jesus. We've got victory in Jesus. We've got victory in Jesus. We got victory. I'm not whimpering in defeat. I'm not going to huddle in fear in a foxhole of doubt and anxiety. I'm not going to chatter my, my, I'm not going to chatter through trembling lips. Us for it, no more, no ma'am, no sir. This is a whosoever will gospel. And I've been built for this moment. God has placed me in the midst of this season 2020 to be stretched to my full capacity and for my faith to go forward and not retract backwards. Isaiah admitted, he said, there's darkness all around. He said, even the elect are going to be deceived. But then the prophet gives a promise that in the midst of darkness, God will 
arise. And the righteousness of his people will shine like a bright light and her salvation like a flaming torch. So you know what I expect this week? I expect God to rise. I expect his enemies to be scattered. I believe that God's going to shake this earth this week. Listen, I, I believe that the footfalls of El Shaddai are going to be felt in the nation of the United States of America. I believe that God is positioning angelic chariots all around this week. That's what I believe. I'm breaking the double bind. It's not doom and gloom. I'm not looking for the devil. I'm, I'm looking to see, God, what kind of miracle is going to happen this week? God, I, I, what, what's going to take place this week? What's going to break loose in the supernatural this week? I want to break that double bind. I want to be reminded of Daniel 11 and 32. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. In the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of an election season, in the middle of opposition, I've come to prophesy there are miracles in our midst. Chains are getting ready to be broken. Bodies are going to be healed. Relationships will be restored. What the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it around and do it for good. Revival is going to break out. Ministries are going to be born. There's going to be a greater anointing on our families and our homes and our community. Can I get anybody to believe? Is anybody expecting God to do something? Is anybody expecting God to do something great? And I'm hurrying, but I've got to deal with this antichrist spirit before I move on. I've got to go to Daniel 3, and I've got to look at the parallels of Revelation 13 and Daniel 3. And I've got to tell you what the enemy's trying to do right now. In Daniel 3 and 1, we read Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. Its height was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. The city of Babylon was filled with idolatry and ancient inscriptions read, Altogether, there were in Babylon 53 temples of the chief gods, 300 chapels of earthly deities, 600 for the heavenly deities, 180 altars for the goddess, and 12 other altars for different gods. Babylon, Babylon was in a bind. And on top of all that idolatry, Nebuchadnezzar said, I need a statue that proves this is my kingdom. This is my value system. By making this image of all gold, Nebuchadnezzar was saying that his kingdom will never end but last forever. He was telling the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that God will not get his way. Because Nebuchadnezzar said, I have big plans for this kingdom. The image represented his empire. And when the music played, everyone was to bow down to the 90 foot tall, 9 foot wide golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar took music to use, took music that was supposed to be for worship. And now he used it for idolatry. And whosoever falls not down in worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now we say we love the Lord. But what are we going to do when the Antichrist is established? And he has full reign on this earth. He says, if you don't bow down and worship, I'm going to take everything you have and take your life from you. What are we going to do? If we can't stand right now while the spirit of the Antichrist is just softening us up, what are we going to do when he says, bow? Or are you going to go in the furnace? Oh, yeah, we... Boy, that makes me want to put my pajamas on and go home and watch church online. (laughs) 
See, this isn't just about an idol. This is about a king and his desire to force his value system on his people. He's imposing his pagan lifestyle on everyone. And he's doing it because he can. This is an antichrist spirit manifesting itself in Daniel 3. But if you look around, it's not just Daniel 3. The same thing is happening right now in 2020. The foundation is being laid for acceptance. The antichrist spirit is softening, softening us up. Confusing us. On what Christianity and biblical values are. Rocking us to sleep right now. And trying to distract the watchmen on the wall. From saying beware. The enemy is approaching. The enemy is erasing lines of separation. And the ideas of values. We're being taught that there's no such thing as right or wrong. Absolutes or truths. And the majority of this world system is hostile toward God. It's the cancel culture. Well, if you stand up for your godly values, you're hateful and we're going to cancel you out. So it's putting pressure on the church to bow. And the closer we get to the end time, the more active the spirit is becoming, manipulating truth, discouraging holiness, disregarding obedience, all the while encouraging apathy and complacency. And the antichrist spirit is making us numb to the presence of God. Where we can gather and the king of kings steps in the midst of us and we can't even feel him anymore because our conscience has been seared by everything that we're picking up through secular media. And now we don't have no longer have conviction in our lives and no longer do we believe absolute and truth and we lay down our spiritual weapons and the enemy tells us just enjoy life. Enjoy self-indulgence. Enjoy, enjoy gratification. Do what feels good. Be your own God. I was preaching this at 9 a.m. And a man came up to me, Brother Scott. He said, I was raised as a Satanist. Right after I got done preaching, he said, I was raised in the home of Satanists. He said, we had a Satanic Bible. And he said, the whole premise of the Satanic Bible was this. Be your own God and do what feels good. See, everybody, oh, Satanic, I'm going to stand against that. But yet we're letting media in our home. That's training up the minds of our children. Our children that there's no such thing as authority and values and absolutes. And there's no such thing as God. See the enemy, the Satan angel is going to show up and say, hey, I'm going to take your children from you. No, little by little he's going to knock down values, absolutes, truth. Until we believe we can be our own God. And it's true. Listen to me. In 2020, we don't have 90 foot statues. We would be on the front page of the newspaper if I put a 90-foot statue in front of our church. We don't have that. But you know what we do have? Watch this. We have social media where we build an image and we look for value. Isn't that the spirit of the Antichrist? Where we measure ourselves among ourselves. And I'm afraid that we are losing the God image out of our lives because we look to be applauded and validated by those around us. We don't like to be taught. Matter of fact, the Bible says you rebuke a scorner, they'll hate you for it. There are some people I can pastor and some people I can just love. Because we don't want to be taught. We don't want to be corrected. We don't want to be guided. And we don't want to be told what truth is. And we use filters to build our statues because it brings instant gratification. And it's somebody you see in public. 
you get offended because they don't recognize you. Well, they're my friend on social media. You don't look like that on social media. You didn't have a head full of hair when they saw you in public. Think about this. Flip the script. I've got to hurry. Flip the script. You're pursuing God. Everything's going great. The goodness of God. You get on. I'm not against social media. Social media has a lot of good. We're preaching on Facebook. I'm thankful for that outlet. But you get on social media and you see somebody. And then all of a sudden your value system goes from God. And you start aspiring to be like them. Because now an image that you've seen has prompted your actions to shape your life. What about the God image? Oh, yeah, what are you talking about? You're talking about secular people. Don't have to hold. No, I'm talking about Christians. Listen, I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about leaders. Because a part of the double bind is making this thing about you and not other people. Make sure my emotions are catered to. Make sure I feel good. Make sure everything's good in my life. When do we get to a point to where we reverse that and we start making other people that are broken and hurt and offended and we start pulling them in and making it about the image of God? Let me ask you a question. What image are you resembling right now in your life? What image am I shaping my life after? What about eternity? What about, what about storing up things that matter? What about God's approval and not man's? What about soul winning and helping the hurting? What about it? Because this is important because there are some parallels between Daniel 3 and Revelation 13. Because the final Babylonian dictator, anybody know who that is? The Antichrist. Will attempt to enforce idolatrous worship on all. Imposing a death penalty for those who refuse to give him their allegiance. He will use the number 6 in connection with that worship. Why is that number 6 important? Y'all are waiting somebody to come and say, hey, I want you to tattoo 666. That's what, y'all, that's what we're waiting on on the anti. We say antichrist. People think, well, man, somebody's going to come ask me if they can tattoo 666 on my forehead or put it on my right hand. That's not what it's about. Six is the number of man. And when our faith becomes more about self-image than God's image, we're already sticking our hand out to be marked. Because Revelation tells us Satan has a plan. And chapter 13 tells us clearly what that plan is. Satan will work through two forces, symbolizes two beasts. The first beast comes out of the sea, and it has all the power of secular government. You want to know how much power our secular government has? Look at what has happened during this pandemic. It's being set up and established. We're being, we're being softened up as a nation for the secular government one day to have complete control, even over religious freedoms. And the second beast, this is the one that gets me because we love, oh, I'm, I'll fight the secular government. Okay, what about the second beast? Second beast comes out of the earth and mimics Christianity, a lamb, but speaks with the voice of a dragon. It's going to look like a Christian. Walk, but when it talks, it's going to have the voice of a dragon. And chapter 13 of Revelations ends with the gloomy threat that this second beast will have the power to brand everyone with the mark. The name of the beast and the number of his name. And we are so focused on who it is. Who's the Antichrist? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? How's it going to happen? But we're missing the real point. And that's what I got to wake you up to. The spirit is at work right now. 
This man, William Hendrickson, on the mark of the beast, this is what he said. The mark of the beast is the God-opposing, Christ-rejecting, church-persecuting spirit of the Antichrist. Wherever and whenever it shows itself. This mark is impressed on the forehead or the right hand in Revelations 13. Watch this. The forehead symbolizes the mind. It's the thought, life, and the philosophy of the person. Where do I find my boundaries and my value systems? My philosophies. And then the right hand indicates deeds. Actions, trade, and industry. Do my actions align with the values of God? Because a double bind is I can do nothing wrong and still never do anything right. And I can pull back and say I'm never taking the mark. But at the end of the day, a double bind is if I convince myself by doing nothing, I'm doing something. And you hear me today, I would rather get in trouble with the spirit of the Antichrist and even the government if I have to than get in trouble with God Almighty. And I would much rather find favor with the King of Kings any day. I, I don't want to be caught in a double bind. I want to please God Almighty. And these three Hebrew boys, these three Hebrew boys, they said, we don't care what direction culture goes. We refuse to bow down. And immediately when these three spiritual men refused to bow, some of the king's tattletellers ran to him and told him sneeringly that there were certain Jews who refused to bow down and worship. And Nebuchadnezzar went out of his mind. And immediately, immediately he goes to them. Or they're brought to him immediately. Now watch this. And he asked them a question. Who is the God who's going to deliver you out of my hands now? You made this decision not to bow. Now, who's going to help you? The question was the center of the entire story. And how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer that question is the entire story's focus. Who is the God who will deliver you? Where, are you, where is your security and your safety found? And, and, and watch how they answer the question. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But I love it. They, they literally broke the double bind. They said, but if not, if God decides that he's not going to save us today, you be it known, O king, be it known unto you that we will never serve your gods. We will never worship the golden image that you set up. We will never bow down to your culture. We will never do anything different than what we're doing because we have a God value system. But if not, but if not, but if not. So here it is. Here's the just of the message. There's two types of faith. There's delivering faith to where God keeps us from the furnace. I'm hoping that's what happens this week. I'm being honest. I'm hoping, I'm hoping everything plays out the way God wants it to play out, whatever his will is. And I'm hoping that we don't go to have to go through the furnace. But then there's a second type of faith. It's called sustaining faith. It's where God puts you in the furnace. But he sustains you while you're in there. It's where God stretches you. When you came in, hold your, if you was given a rubber band, hold your rubber band up. You're going to have this all week to remember that you will not break under the pressure of what's going on around us. 
You hear me, I'm prophesying to you. God is getting ready to take some of you to new territory and new seasons of purpose. But it's going to require you to allow God to stretch you a little bit. Because for a rubber band to reach its potential, it has to be put under tension, discomfort, and stress. And that is what God has been doing to us and the church all along. And the enemy wants, wants us to think, well, there's so much stress stress and tension and pressure that we're about to break no 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 that's that's a double bind what what you've got to tell the enemy is i'm more powerful when i'm stretched and under stress listen if i was to take this rubber band and you was to walk on this platform i was to just throw it at you what's it going to do it's going to just bounce off of you it's of no use but if i take this rubber band and i stretch it a little bit and I popped you in the forehead. <laughs> because for this rubber band to, to reach its maximum potential, it's got to be stretched. And I know the spirit of the Antichrist is here. And I know, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic and I know things don't look good. But I can tell you, we're in prime position for God to launch us at the enemy and take him down. Listen, God has, I'm preaching to individuals and I'm preaching to the church corporately. God has us, and we might be in the furnace, but God has us exactly. I wasn't built to be comfortable. I was built to be stretched. I wasn't built to conform. I was built to be stretched. I've never, I'm almost done. I've never had God send a new opportunity without, without it absolutely requiring me and my faith to be stretched to a place of discomfort and pressure. I'm talking about situations where I whisper under my breath, this build my river project, you know what I've said under my breath? God, if you don't show up, <laughs> God, we signed this loan, we took out this money. We've taken up pledges. Everything's good. But if you don't show up in the midst of this, I had a buddy text me the other day. He said, Rev, he said, I want to tell you, man, how happy I am for y'all. Because everything you read, that if a church gets 50% of their people to show up, they're doing good during this pandemic. Yet we're literally growing and increasing in numbers in the midst of a pandemic. You know why? Because I don't want to just exist. I want God to stretch us. We're going to build in the middle of it. We're going to prepare in the middle. I want the enemy to know we're coming to get everything that God has for us. Comfortable faith is no threat to the enemy. But faith that is stretched. Moses... You got a million Israelites behind you and you're at a Red Sea and Egyptians coming after you. What are you going to do? Moses says, God, stretch me. And God says, Moses, stretch that rod out over that Red Sea. And the wind began to blow and the waters parted. And they walked over into new territory. All because a man said, in the midst of the dilemma, I'm going to reach for more. The man with the withered hand. Literally hiding it from everybody. Didn't want anybody to see. Whether, whether it happened because he had failure in his life. Or whether it was an accident. He didn't want anybody to see. And, and Jesus showed up one day. And he looks at this man. He said if you'll stretch. What you're trying to hide toward me. If you'll give me your failures. If you'll give me your mistakes. He said I'll do something with your life. That'll blow everybody's mind around. But you got to be willing to stretch. When it's uncomfortable. You. Preacher, I messed up. That's all right. Let God stretch you in the middle of it. When that man 
pulled that withered hand out and began to reach toward the master, all of a sudden it became like the other one because the miracle is when? Brother Will. So the king turns the furnace up seven times hotter. And they take these three Hebrew boys and they throw them in the midst of this fire. The fire was so hot. You like that? That's dramatic preaching. The fire was so hot. The fire was so hot that the people that threw him in died. And here you got these three Hebrew boys. Says, God, we don't know what you're doing, but we want to be stretched. And I can see in my mind's eye, which is a very dangerous place. I can visualize Nebuchadnezzar sitting in his throne, smugly watching a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they're thrown in the fiery furnace. I can see him smile as he believes he was, he's won this. These three, these three boys, they didn't even know what they were up against. But then he glances through an opening in the furnace and he rises from his seat and a look of shock comes across his face and he asks somebody next to him, didn't we throw three into the fire? And someone says, yes, but there's a fourth man in there and it sure does look like the son of God. Because when we're stretched, it don't matter if we're in the furnace or out of the furnace. When the rock of ages is covering us. And the only thing the fire touched, because it says that the person told, yeah, they're loose and they're walking around. The only thing the fire touched was what the enemy tried to bind them with. The double bind was broken. And the fire had no power on their bodies. And their, 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 their head's hair was not singed. And there was not even a smell of smoke on them. And they walked through the fire of the furnace. But they didn't smell like what they had been through when they came out. And this is my favorite part of the story. Daniel 3 and 27 is where we'll start. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded them and saw that the fire had not touched them. The pandemic had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was sins and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Verse 29, therefore I make this decree. Talk about change the narrative. Talking about change the whole narrative of the story. His decree was you got to bow down to my image. But these three boys were stretched and went in the furnace. And he saw he had a revelation of the son of God. And watch this. He makes a decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn from limb to limb and their houses will be burned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like the God of Shadrach. And the king promoted these boys to higher positions in Babylon. And revival and revelation began to break out. All because three boys said, I'm not letting anybody else control the negative of where I'm going. Brother Trey Fowler, where you at?
This is his revelation, but I'm going to take it and use it. He knew I was preaching on this, and he said, Pastor, I found a cool fact that out about rubber bands. He said that when a rubber band, when a rubber band is retracted, it absorbs heat and energy. But when a rubber band is expanded, it releases heat and energy. So these three Hebrew boys get in this furnace and they retract their faith and they just cower down and back off and they don't walk with the, the image of the Son of God. Then they die because they attract the heat of what's around them. But when they step into the furnace and start stretching their faith, the heat that is within them begins to push the flames back that is around them. And when you expand in the midst of the furnace, what's trying to suffocate you and burn you begins to be pushed back by the faith that is on the inside of you. And there's a revival on the way after the furnace. But I want, to re I want you to know that there's something happening in the middle of this trying time. The soldiers who crucified Jesus thought it was over when he died. He was stretched and with blood caked lips, Jesus said, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost and they put him in a tomb. They sealed it and they stationed armed guards to keep watch over it. One day went by, nothing happened. Two, nothing happened. Finally, three days passed and Satan said, checkmate. But on that third day, when it looked like all was lost, Jesus rose from the dead, the king who had one more move. And you know why we're here today? Because a savior said, stretch me. As much as you could stretch me so that I can embrace a lost and dying world. And here we are today being stretched. Paul, you're shipwrecked and viper bitten. But God has sent you there to be stretched. And when Paul shook that viper off in the fire, revival came to the island because Paul said, God, stretch me. I'm not going to focus on the viper bite. I want to focus on revival happening. I'm tired of people telling me, all the reasons why we can't during this season. I'm ready for the more that God has for us. I'm ready to live in the country of miracles. Some of us have been so comfortable lately. We've been answering every challenge in fear and not faith. But I've come today to preach to someone who knows God has called you. And lately you've been so uncomfortable thinking you're going to break. And God has sent me to tell you, you're not going to break. God has you right where he wants you. Just allow God to stretch you during this season. As we stand all over the house. Stretch me, God. Because God, if this is the shape I'm in today, and there's no tension or pressure on my life, then I'm really bound anyway. God, if this is all I'm doing during this pandemic, is barely making it and getting by and not having faith for anything and not experiencing miracles, God, this is really all I am. But God, during this season, I've tried to say, we're going to build. We're going to have revival. We're going to pray, God, because I want to be at max capacity for whatever you want to do in my life. And some of us here, God's been telling you, reach, even though you don't understand.
All I can think about is the condition we're in today in 2020. What's it going to look like when my kids get older? If I settle for this, if I settle for just this, just existing, trying to get comfortable during all of this, what are they going to have? Are they still going to witness people laying hands on the sick? Are they still going to witness people speaking in tongues? Are they still going to witness the gifts of the Spirit? Are they going to witness people that have a a disease that should be dead all of a sudden healed? Are they going to witness people getting out of wheelchairs? What am I going to leave them? I can tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell God, stretch God. I want to stretch. Stretch me, God. Stretch me. Stretch me. Stretch me. So this week... As everything happens and plays out, and we feel the pressure and the stretching, I need somebody to go looking for a miracle to happen in the midst of it. I don't want to call for everybody right now, but I want to know, maybe is there one that says, Pastor, I want God to use me like I've never been used before. Is there one that can say, I've been living in fear? Is there one person that can say, I just want to spend some time, and I want to let God know I've been looking at the wrong thing. I want to see the master in the middle of it. Is there one? Thank you for watching today. If you would like to help us deliver content around the world online, please consider making a donation. Please go to littleriver.church and choose what option works best for you. Thank you and have a great day.